And now, it's time for the Tri-State Sports Beat with your hosts, Nick Federico, Scott DeBell, and Joe Bruno. All right, Tri-State Sports Beat back at it again. Episode number 140 here on the good old Tri-State Sports Beat. Hope everybody's having a good weekend, a good Sunday. It's a little rainy here in northern New Jersey. Nick and Scott here for episode number 140. Joe will join us later on in the show. Pal, we've missed you for the past couple weeks. Yeah, pleasure, pleasure to be back. You know, finally don't have, uh, you know, some conflicts with the Sundays. So uh, nice, to, nice to finally be able to hop back on to the old podcast. Yes, sir. So, I mean, we have some, we have uh, quite a bit to talk about today. But, you know, starting off with baseball, the Yankees getting spring training underway. The Mets, I think, starting tomorrow, I believe. Uh, we got some, we don't really have that much football to talk about today, so I think we'll just read, we've decided we're just going to read Jets Twitter and maybe do some trivia, and uh, we'll get your thoughts on the quarterback situation and stuff, pal. Um, and of course, Nixon Nets talk as well as everything else we got going. So, we didn't talk baseball last week, that's my bad, because, you know, I was by myself, you know, with that, because Joe, you know, we love Joe, but no, <laughs> but no baseball for Joe. Doesn't love the old stick and ball. Does not love the old stick and ball. He likes the stick and puck, not the stick and ball. Absolutely. And when Joe comes on, I'm sure he will talk about the stick and puck and how, you know, good the New York Rangers were and then uh, blew it today against the Boston uh, the Boston Bruins. So we'll get Joe's thoughts on that too. But starting off with baseball, pals, season is almost here. April 1st, the Yankees will kick things off and the Mets not soon after that. But let's start with the Mets and these recent signings that they made that we haven't talked about quite yet. They signed Kevin Pillar, center fielder, and uh, starting pitcher Taewon Walker. Um, like, let's be honest. This isn't Springer, and it's not Bauer, but they're not horrible moves if you're Sandy Alderson in the Mets. I guess let's start with uh, let's start with Pilar because that was the position where the Mets were really looking at in as terms of George Springer, Jackie Bradley Jr. may have been an option here, but they end up going with Pilar on a two-year, six and a half million dollar deal. You know, just just a little bit on Pilar, 260 hitter, and he's a plus defensive outfielder. So, of course, that's what the Mets have always been looking for. You know, Brandon Nimmo, not quite the defensive outfielder, but does get on base, you know, very effectively. But I think Pilar right now comes in, veteran guy. He comes in as probably the best defensive option at center field. But, you know, the thing with this is it's going to be interesting to see what Luis Rojas does because Nimmo's on-base percentage, you know, 404 last year, is kind of what's going to be sacrificed if he's playing Pilar in center field. You know, Pilar gets on base fine. I mean, he's a 300 on-base percentage guy, but it, I'm kind of intrigued here how Luis Rojas is going to manage Pilar and Nimmo. Yeah, it's going to be a platoon, uh, you know, sort of thing. Um, you know, you hope that it would be ride the hot hand, but in baseball, it doesn't seem like that's a big thing nowadays with all the analytics and all that crap. So, uh, I mean, Pilar is definitely an upgrade defensively over Nimmo in center field, but, you know, unless they were going to get Springer, it was always going to be, uh, you know, you play this day, you play that day, ride the hot hand kind of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think you can expect too much from Kevin Pilar, but uh, hopefully, you know, he can be – like an old school, like Juan Lagares kind of player where no, not great at the plate, but will be able to, you know, be effective in the field. And then also, you know, bring in a defensive, um, you know, specialist in later innings to, you know, get the job done out there. Uh, and, you know, it's just important to have a, an above average, you know, defender in center field because, you know, they have the most ground to cover. They're really, you know, kind of like the anchor of the outfield. So you can never have too much depth, I think, in center field and, 
you know, this isn't a signing that's going to, you know, blow up, blow, you know, someone out of the water and, you know, create headlines, but it'll be, you know, I think a good depth signing for the Mets. He's been on four different teams in the past two years, Toronto, the Giants, the Red Sox, and the Colorado Rockies from 2019 to 2020. So Pilar's kind of at this point in his career, I'm not sure how old he is. He's 32 years old. So, I mean, he's still got some, you know, he's still got some juice left. I mean, in 2019 and 2020, you hit... um, 264 with the 264 with the Giants, 274 with the Red Sox, and 308 with the Colorado Rockies in 24 games in 2020 last year. So the Mets aren't getting some kind of just guy just to hear you go play center field every once in a while and let's hope it sticks. But uh, like I said, I'm very interested to see what happens, how Luis Rojas is going to plan this because essentially you're sacrificing defense with you know you're with Brandon Nimmo to get on base and then vice versa. Pilar's not going to get on base as, as well as Nimmo does, but he's going to give you that glove, you know, and there's also been, you know, things that Kevin Pilar said, uh, I think the other day that, you know, he's kind of dismissing that people are saying that he's, you know, taking a step back defensively, but it doesn't, it goes without saying that Pilar is definitely, he was definitely brought in here for one purpose and that's to play defense in center field because it's an important thing because they have Conforto in right field hopefully getting an ex- extension sooner rather than later um you know the anchor in right field and you know defensively and you know the beautiful the most beautiful swing in baseball if you ask me and then in left field you have you know kind of a platoon issue you know you got Dom Smith as a possibility um I'm blanking on who else right now at the moment but, J.D. Um, Davis J- can fill in there. J.D. Davis. McNeil but, can play left field if needed. Yeah, so the corner, the center field and left field positions kind of, you know, let's 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 throw something at the wall. Let's throw these guys in the lineup and see what happens. But all in all, I think if the Mets did end up signing Springer, and this goes without saying that, you kind of avoid that picking and choosing daily kind of thing. Like, who's going to play in this? Like, who's going to play today? Who's going to play tomorrow and whatnot? But the Mets, obviously, as far as center field goes – went, you know, quantity over quality. And, you know, they did get outbid by uh, the Toronto Blue Jays for uh, George Springer's services. We talked about that before. But, I mean, if you're the Mets, I can't be – if you're a Mets fan, I can't be too – you know, I'm in neutral. I, I can't I can't hate the move of Pilar. I can't love it because it's just – it's just like we've been saying. It's swap it a guy. It is. it is what it is, pretty much. And then the – Acquisition of Taewon Walker, I think, is a little bit bigger of a deal than than people are kind of thinking here because he comes in right right away. He's your three to four starter, right behind Jake and, and Cookie Carrasco, two seventy RA kind of guy, uh, you know, in, with Seattle and Toronto, and he's a solid middle of the rotation guy. He's there to hold down the fort. He's there to be your third fourth starter, and he's gonna get the job done. He's not you know an all world pitcher, but. He adds the, the most important thing is that he's adding depth to this rotation and pitching staff in total. Yeah, and you know I see him more as a like a fifth starter for this team just because when you know, Cindergaard, you're when Cindergaard comes back, yeah, yeah. Well, I think he's going to be back for the beginning of the year. I, I think they predict he's going to be ready for opening day, um, and then you have Stroman as well. Um, you know they lost Stephen Matz through trade to the Blue Jays. They needed another depth guy in in start in the uh, starting pitcher category. I mean, you do have Drew Peterson, who, you know, did did show some moments last year, um, making his you know MLB debut and first couple starts of the Mets. Um, but again, the Mets, ever since you know 
the Harvey days and all them, they've had an insanely good pitching rotation. I don't really see that being, you know, any different this year. I mean, Jake, the best pitcher in baseball. Um, I think Syndergaard, you know, nowadays a lot of people, you know, seem to come back like they were after Tommy John with the technology and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, just more research behind the, you know, the injury and the surgery. Um, Stroman, I think he, you know, he's not going to, um, or he's going to realize that he's on the, whatever that's called, what, what the franchise or whatever the tender, the qualifying offer, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Um, you know, and then you have cookie Carrasco who was, uh, of course in the Lindor trade, he's a, you know, solid starter, um, you know, right around a three, three and a half ERA. And then you throw in Taiwan Walker who has been productive and, you know, his past, you know, a couple of years and Drew Peterson as well, like I mentioned. So I think this starting rotation, again, you know, we talk about how important starting rotation was for the Yankees and, you know, to address, well, the Mets definitely went out and did that because, you know, they got out Steven Matz, who was horrible last year. They brought in Cookie Carrasco and they brought in Taiwan Walker. And I think that's two upgrades over what they're, what they had um, in Steven Matz. So, you know, this was a need. I think once they lost out on Bauer, they went to either Oda Rizzi or Taiwan Walker. So, you know, I think Oda Rizzi has had more success in his career. I think maybe, you know, he'd be the better starter. But, hey, Sandy Alderson identified Taiwan Walker as the guy. And, you know, I think he will pitch some valuable innings for the Mets, whether it's, you know, uh, it probably won't be in the playoffs because, you know, they'll try and ride um, – you know, Syndergaard and, and obviously Jake and Stroman and Carrasco. But I, I think, you know, he could be really important in a, an at least title run. Yeah, well, I think, we, yeah, you kind of said it best. I think Walker's really good as an insurance policy, I guess you could say. Back end of the rotation, yeah. insurance policy kind of guy. Because who knows? You know, someone could get hurt, but that's the thing. That's the huge thing that the Mets addressed was – they need they needed to bolster the depth of this rotation, you know, and bullpen too. But I mean, you know, people are optimistic about the Mets bullpen. I I am not one of those because we've seen the Mets the past two years and how bad the bullpen's been. But just all in all, like the this this move with Taiwan Walker just brings in the depth, and that and that's what the that's what the Mets need. And both these moves, Pilar and Walker, they're just they're not exciting and huge moves, but. They're, these are guys that are going to come in and play every and well in Pilar's case probably play every, once every four or five days maybe maybe even three days who knows and then and yeah. Brandon Nimmo's eventually going to get hurt at some point yeah. he always misses games at some point so yeah. he's going to be that insurance policy behind him yeah and and the and these two guys are going to be important in their roles like you said before Nimmo's going to get hurt at some point in the season he's always he's always good for that so Pilar's going to end up playing some important time. Uh, you know, in this in this Mets season, so um, they both they both will be definitely be important at at one point or another, and they'll be effect. And I feel that especially in Walker's case, he'll be effective because again, the depth is a huge huge thing for this Mets team that they needed. So moving on to in stuff involving Francisco Lindor, um, you know he's he's made a huge impact as we can see already in Mets camp teaching, you know, putting guys under his wing and teaching them on defense and stuff like that. And, you know, coming to training camp, well, training camp, coming to spring training with the coming to America Mets jacket. I think that's freaking hilarious. Um, but as far as an extension for Lindor goes, this shortstop market just got 
completely reset by this Fernando Tatis deal. The 14-year, $340 million mega deal. Two, uh, I think it's $24, $24.2 million a year. You know, I'm not going to go on and on about it, but in my opinion, still early for Tatis. You know, he hasn't played 162 game, career games yet, and that's a little early to start paying a guy that much money. But all in all, it re- completely resets the shortstop market. So I want to ask you first, initially, when you heard this deal go down, is it good? Is it bad for the Mets-Lindor deal? I think Lindor was always going to get, you know, a big deal. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, they're talking about probably at least $200 million, probably closer to $300 million. I mean, yeah. Lindor is, what, 26? 27, like, yeah. He's young, and he's the best shortstop in baseball right now. I think he's – minimum is probably going to be around 250 with this deal for Lindor. Tatis is a different story just because, you know, what he's like, what, 21? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it does definitely does hurt the Mets. I don't know what the um, biggest shortstop deals are in baseball. I mean, you'd have to think that Corey Seager's up there. Um, I think Xander right now Bogart's Tatis, Tatis, I think, is number one with this deal. Yeah, I'm talking about, you know, previous, before this deal – happened what you know what the, what um, the cap was yeah i mean El- elvis andrus had eight years 120 million bogarts had six years 120 million brandon crawford had six for 75 um you know lindor is obviously much better than like elvis elvis andrus getting that big of a deal like lindor was obviously going to blow that contract out of the water right but 14 years 340 million for tatis definitely does you know put a wrench into the Mets negotiation um, tactics, I guess, if you want to put it that way. Like, I don't think Lindor's going to get that much just because of the age difference. Like, you know, Tatis is an MVP in the making. Right. Uh, People around baseball have known for years that this guy was going to be a stud. And, you know, not taking anything away from Francisco Lindor, because like I said, he's the best shortstop in baseball right now. But, you know, age definitely makes a difference. And, you know... I think it's going to be around 250 minimum. It'll probably be closer to 300 for Lindor, but I think he was going to get that even before, you know, the, uh, the, the Tatis deal. And it also, it also matters on the A like the AAV, the average annual value or whatever. Yeah. That's that. I think think that's the most. Tatis is right under is right around 24, just Mm -hmm. a little bit above 24 million a year. I think that's the important aspect of this whole thing is the average money. Yeah, I, I think Lindor will probably get around twenty four yeah. a year. I mean, it's right, just, you know, right now it's not going to be as many years. Yeah, right now his market value, according to Spot Track, is twenty eight mil a year over eight years. So, figure that's yeah, that's probably around what you're saying right now. But as far as average annual value goes, like he can still be the highest paid shortstop and probably should at that point. You know, but yeah, like you said, good. Yeah, I, I mean. This also, you know, affects Yankee fans too because this is going to be kind of the test on Glaber's future deal too. Right. I mean, Tatis kind of already reset that, I think, a little bit, but this Lindor deal could really set the precedence of what kind of contract Glaber could be looking for because at this point he's going to be valued as a shortstop, not mm-hmm. a second baseman. Yeah, and I think I I do think that this Tatis extension does speed up a little bit the talks between the Mets and Lindor, but unfortunately, you know. The thing is, which is probably a good thing if you're Francisco Lindor, once once spring training is over and the season begins, no more talks. 
Like they're not going to start. They're not going to talk about it during the season. They're not going to distract themselves from the ultimate goal, and that's to make the playoffs and win a World Series. So it's either it happens before the season or it happens after the season. And you know, I think the Mets are playing kind of a dangerous game if they don't get it done before the season because you know who knows how the season's going to go. The Mets have huge expectations, and we know the Mets. When they have huge expectations, they aren't necessarily met all the time. So, I mean, anything can happen between now and the end of the season as far as Lindor's contract extension, you know, talks go. But bottom line is Lindor is worth the big bucks, and we all know that. But the Mets know that, and, and so does he. So my question is, do you, like you said, is it going to be like more like 240, or do the Mets just say, hey, do we, let's, over, let's overpay. I'm not saying that Francisco Lindor isn't worth $300 million, but according to the numbers, do you overpay a little bit if you're the Mets and make Lindor a $300 million man? I say yes. You know, he's the guy that you build, the Mets are building this team around for the next 10 years. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think, you know, with the Wilpons, it would have been uh, absolutely not. But I think Stevie Cohen, you know, will shell out that kind of money. And I, I fully expect a deal to get done for Lindor. Um, it seems like he's already loving being a Met. Mm-hmm. You know, he's embracing being a Met. And uh, I, I don't know. I just don't really see him being that kind of guy right now where he's going to be traded and then, um, not sign the deal, but also, you know, you're Lindor, you haven't been able to get to free agency yet. I don't know who his agent is, but is his agent in his ear telling him, you know, let's, let's see what you can get. Let's not sign this deal right now. And let's see what you can get in the off season. And let's see if we can get a bidding war going. So, you know, it, it's, you know, two separate sides of the story where the Mets obviously want to get a deal done quickly and they want to get it done before the season starts, which, you know, you have about a month left until opening day. And then Lindor, do you want to test, you know, the open market? Because getting to the open market, you know, is kind of rare in baseball just because of the whole service time thing and, you know, how long you have to wait. So, you know, it should be interesting to see how this, you know, these talks continue. doesn't really seem like anything's close right now between the two sides, but, I fully expect Lindor to be a Met for the future, whether that's, you know, signing back in the offseason or signing, you know, in the next month or so. You think in the value right now is like eight years. You think he gets 10? You think he can get like, you think he get more years than Tatis? I don't know about that, but. No, absolutely not. Yeah. He's not going to get more years than Tatis. Tatis is like five years younger. So I think if the Mets give him like an eight to 10 year deal, at the end of that, he'll be like 35. Somewhere. Around. I would probably try and lean more to the eight years just because. And that does, and this isn't when you get to ten years, it's like thirty six years old. That's getting like Robinson Cano like territory. And we're not even um, discussing you know opt outs, potential team options, and and player yeah. options, and all that stuff that could come into play. Um, but I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting little storyline that once the one you know I, right now, but then as the season you know spring training comes to an end, the season starts. You know talks are gonna you know all the speculation is gonna begin. Because they're not, they're they're gonna say that they're not talking about a deal, but I mean, who knows what could be going on during the season? And I don't think the Mets really want to do. I don't. If I'm a Met fan, I don't want to have to deal during the whole season. If you know they're having success, hopefully they are, because we get to talk about that. If they're having success, and then the back page is always, oh, what about it? Like, can the Mets and Lindor get a deal done? Can the Mets and Lindor get a deal done? Like, if I'm a Met fan, I don't want to have to worry about that when the Mets are. A favorite in the National League East, and a fa- and you know a playoff favorite, and could potentially, you know, get to the World Series this year. I'll just say it. 
They should be one of the one of the favorites to, to get to the World Series this year with this roster that they have currently. But if I'm a Met fan, I'm just I would hate a deal. A deal needs to get a deal doesn't need to get done, but I would want a deal to get done sooner rather than later and wait till the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it could create some sort of a distraction because then, you know, it's not going to be in the beginning. Well, you're going to have to answer questions in the beginning of the year of why a deal didn't get done. Right. And then the middle of the year, you know, it, it might go away a little bit, but there's always going to be that speculation. And then, um, you know, it, it's if the Mets underperform, then it's going to be a huge talking point um, at the end of the year. It's probably going to follow this team all the way through the year if they don't get a deal done. Um whether that's, you know, overpaying a little bit right now to try and get it done early and just knowing, you know, having that sense of mind that you're going to, you know, have him for the long haul. Maybe it's worth getting a deal done now and overpaying a little bit just to, you know, have him locked down for the next eight years and not let him test free agency where you could be paying the same amount if a bidding war, you know, ensues. And then we think about this too, as far as like outside, uh, wow, outside noise goes. Like if the Mets are losing, they're on a losing streak. A columnist can easily write, oh, Francisco Lindor, not happy with Mets. Yeah. Deal's not done. Not doesn't mean, you know, good things right now for the Mets. Mm-hmm. That's that's not what this team needs. They need to focus, and especially not just Lindor. They got Conforto, too, that they should that they should explore an extension on. They need to because, you know, probably the second most important player on the team besides Francisco Lindor. But... Yeah. I'm afraid that this is going to follow the Mets all season long if they don't get a deal done soon. The season starts April 1st, at least for the Yankees. Well, the Mets, when does their season start here? Let me see. Uh, yeah, their season starts April 1st in Washington. You have now until then to, to get a deal done, start talking about, and at least talking numbers right now. But like I, But like we said, if they don't get a deal done, it's going to be following them forever for this whole season and that's not what the Mets need right now so moving on to the Yankees we've talked about this before it happened Brett Gardner is back on a one-year four million dollar deal uh you and I are pretty opposite ends of the spectrum on this one I was ready to move on I've been ready to move on from Brett Gardner and I'm not saying that I'm not happy he's back I do love Brett Gardner I do I understand he's the only guy from 2009. He's a great leader, great locker room guy, and still, you know, a reliable glove in left field. But, you know, can we just rip the Band-Aid off already? I just, uh, I was one of those diehard Yankee fans that are just ready to move on from Brett Gardner. You know what was nice to see today in the spring training game? It was nice to see Clint Frazier in left field. It was nice to see Mike Talkman in, in center field today. But, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm not a Mike Clockman believer. Uh, I, I'm not. He had one good year. He was horrible last season. He doesn't have the voice in the locker room like Brett Gardner does. Right? Like, Aaron Hicks is inevitably going to get hurt. Brett Gardner is a very serviceable center fielder. Who else is going to play center field if Brett Gardner, if uh, Aaron Hicks gets hurt? Mike Clockman. I don't know. I, I would rather have a guy, you know, already. I mean, Talkman is a lefty, I guess, but. I don't know. Garner just is more valuable than Mike Talkman is. Clint Frazier is going to be the starting left fielder. Like Yankees fans that are worried about uh, Brett Gardner, you know, having precedence over Clint Frazier. No, we're past they're that. just we're trying past to, fi- they're just trying to find an excuse of why they don't want Brett Gardner back. Mm. Like Clint Frazier, as long as he's healthy, as long as he's not hitting like 185, is going to, you know, play a majority of the games. 
Yeah. Brett Garner is there as the 26th, 27th guy. He's going to be a huge role model for this team in the locker room. Still a young team. Like, you know, there's a lot of young guys on this team who haven't, you know, won anything yet. At least Brett Gardner has a World Series, you know, championship and has been in the playoffs, you know, a majority of his Yankee career. Like this team hasn't been able to get over the hump. They need a guy like Brett Gardner who's not going to probably influence them on the field, but he's going to be a big influence in the locker room of, you know, being that veteran presence. I have no problem with bringing Brett Gardner back. He's going to be a utility guy on this team. He's going to be able to fill valuable role, valuable roles when this team needs it. Uh, like, I, I don't know. I'm not a Mike Talkman guy. I just don't think – I think him and Brett Gardner are the same exact player, and I think Gardner's more valuable because of his, you know, veteran leadership. Mike Talkman did hit a home run today in spring training. Yeah, just, Brett Gardner didn't play. I understand, but Mike Talkman hit a home run today. Great. Freaking <laughs> Rob Brantley hit a home run. Tell me who that is. Couldn't tell you. Exactly. Couldn't tell you. I don't know. I'm not saying that. I'm. I'm not saying I don't love Brett Gardner. I was just, you know, I'm just ready to move on. No problem. I have no problem with bringing him back. Right. Clint, did you did you see how Clint Fraser talked about him this week and about how glad he is that Brett Gardner's back? I understand, but I, I don't know. I, it's not like he's going against the luxury tax. The Yankees are so oh, because God know, forbid they go over that. On, yeah. Like, it's not like he's taking up someone else's spot. Clint Frazier is going to be the everyday left fielder. Aaron Hicks is going to be the everyday center fielder. And when when Aaron Hicks inevitably gets hurt, Brett, everyone you know, will be turning to Brett Gardner to play center field. I guess. And like last season, last season, yeah, he didn't have a great year. Neither did neither did Gary Sanchez. And you know, Yankees fans still love Gary Sanchez. I don't. Uh, arguably, we do not. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, anyone with a brain does not. But like. <laughs> I do not. I'm not a Gary Sanchez believer. Of course, he went 0 for 2 today with a strikeout, by the way. Um, <laughs> I think Brett Gardner plays such a valuable role in this team. You know, he's not, it's probably not going to be on the field to play, but behind the scenes, the part that no one sees, that's going to be where he's most valuable. All right. So I guess, uh, stupid to ask you, but I'm going to ask you to get it under your skin a little bit. You're done with the Miguel, Miguel and Duhar left field experiment. Yeah, like, <laughs> at this point, it's 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 like Spencer Dinwiddie with the Nets. It's inevitable he's going to get traded eventually. Oh, we'll get to that too. But. There's no point. There's no point in keeping in Duhar. No. If you want to rip a Band-Aid off, rip that one off. Yeah. Like even when like unless Geo gets hurt, but he, you know he dealt with that elbow injury. But most of the time he's pretty much healthy over the past two seasons. Knock on wood. Yeah. And let's be honest, and Duhar's not that great of a fielding third no. third baseman anyway. He's not like. And, and, if, and, if this and, team, if this team didn't have John Carlo, he would have been a great DH. Sure, but like not. La- I mean, last year, the last year though, he was just not. He wasn't no. good at anything last year. No, he wasn't good at anything. I don't know, man. I'm he's just... he's. Uh, I I don't. Unfortunately, I mean, he that you know injury he dealt with two years ago after his should have been AL Rookie of the Year season hasn't been the same. Tani just because he freaking hits and pitches, what he freaking do. <laughs> Ever since that season, he hasn't been the same guy. No, not at all. All right, well, that's it for baseball, really. Uh, no, spring training is almost spring training is underway, and the season is almost here. Can't wait. Cannot wait. I think uh, Garrett Cole, is it tomorrow Garrett Cole and uh, Jamison Tyone are, pa- are pitching back-to-back tomorrow? Well, I'm not sure. I, I haven't so. really. I, I only knew that Mike King was starting today, mm-hmm. and clearly that didn't go too well. No, did not. Not at all. But the blue, I mean, I know it's only one game in spring training. Don't get me wrong. But the Blue Jays are going to be a problem. 
tell you right now. Blue Jays are going to be an issue. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the people that are saying that the Yankees are going to run away with this division are kind of uh, I know better know, than over to their head that. a little bit. I know better than to believe that. Like the Rays, I mean, are, the Rays are always good. Like let, let's let's not sugarcoat that. But are they really going to repeat as you know what they did last season? I mean, they losing, don't have losing, Snell. Yeah, losing Snell was the big thing. Yeah, like who? What are the odds that a Rose Arena does what he did in the playoffs again this Slim year? Slim to none. Like, I don't know. I, I they'll they'll still be there. I could see them easily being a wild card team, but uh, I don't know. I think the Blue Jays are gonna, like you said, gonna be a problem. Yeah, I think they could be second in the AL East. Do you think it's well? I mean, it's hard to tell. We haven't played a regular a regular season game yet. Do you think it's going to be like a close a close race? Maybe closer than people think, but do you think it's going to be like tight, like single game and race to the to the American League East title? I think it could be. I I think it could be. I think the Yankees, you know, will probably maintain four, three, four, five game lead over uh over the course of the season. I think the Yankee it won't go down to like game one sixty two, but I think in September, you know, it, it could be. Five games around there. I don't know, man. Like we have, we haven't had a chance to do a um, like a season preview for the Yankees and the Mets. But the thing that scares me is the pitching depth for the Yankees. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's what scares thing. me against you know this lineup in Toronto with uh, Vladdy and, and George Springer now and and um, Bobichette, Bobichette, and Kevin Kevin Biggio and and everybody else here. It, it scares me. I got. I got to be honest with you. The fact that, yeah, I, I agree with you. The fact that people think the Yankees are going to run away with the American League East, I, I just can't buy into that. I, I really can't. But here's yeah, what I, can. I don't think they're going to run away with it no. by any means. But I don't either. You know, I, but you know what I can buy into? That the Red Sox might actually finish last in the in the division. No, the Orioles are going to definitely finish. You last. think so? The Orioles are atrocious. So are the Red Sox. Yeah, the Red Sox actually like they had JD Martinez. He would. Like, he'd be the star player on the Orioles. I don't know. Well, yeah, they finished. You know who? You know who actually is on the Orioles? Oh, Matt Chris Hardy. Davis, Matt Harvey. <laughs> he is. He is. Wow, that's where the Orioles are as an organization. <laughs> Jeez. Chris, wait, Chris Davis is still there. How long is that contract? Uh, I think he still has like two or three more years. Oh my god! Wait, I need to look at it. I need to now. I, that, need, to, I need to look at his. That numbers. may uh, that may rival the Bobby Bonilla contract is the worst of all time oh my god like the only reason the bobby bonilla one is so bad is because they're still paying him like chris davis like he's just horrible i need to see his numbers over there oh 20 last year hit 164 oh yeah he only played 16 he's horrible he only he only played 16 game but in 2019 he hit 329 326 wow when when did he hit 326? 2019. There's no chance. Yeah. No, really? He played 105 games. Oh wait, I'm sorry. I could be wrong. No, yes. Maybe his I OPS. Am I am wrong. He hit 179. <laughs> Thank you. That's that's more like it. Oh now, all right. Now the now this looks better because ESP the ESPN app really screwed me up here. Stop doing that. Oh yeah. 2018, 168, 179, yeah, like, 2019, 
or did is that the one you said maybe 27 when was his last good year <laughs> uh he had 215 in 2017 221 oh. in 2016 wow his best his best year was as far as batting average goes was 2013 286 yeah he, he had that one year where he hit like 50 homers yeah that was 2013 yeah. Then he had forty seven then, then he had forty seven home runs in twenty fifteen. Oh wow. What a fall from Grace. He's horrible. He he's living the life, honestly. Yeah, on a rebuilding team. Sucks te- and he's getting paid about thirty million. Yeah, on a rebuilding team and that's not gonna go anywhere. So wow. That's that's oh. crazy. That's living just, a life. That's absurd. And he's thirty four. Jeez. People people don't even dog him anymore because they just know he sucks. Like there's no point. No, there isn't. Just let him strike out and you know sulk back to the bench. <laughs> it's actually fun to like. It's remember, remember was that last was that two years ago where he just went hitless in so many games and it was almost a game when he would get his first hit of the season. Was that yeah. 2019 or 2018? Uh, I forget. It had, I think it was 20. It might have been 2018 because that's what he hit 168. He was better in 2019. That might have been 2018. Man, he's horrible. He went, he's horrible. <laughs> 53 home runs in 2013, and now he's in 160. Yeah. He almost had half the amount of home runs Uh, as he had, or he, let me see how I want to put this. He had half as much home runs as his batting average for last season in 2013. His career batting average is now 233. Wow. My goodness. Fall from grace. At least you don't have to worry about him anymore. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> All right, that's it for baseball. When we come back, we'll talk Knicks and Nets because Scott's got another vendetta against all Knicks fans. And uh, I might have to stick up for my fellow Knicks faithful. We'll see what happens. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Do you have thoughts you want to share? Have questions, comments, or hot takes surrounding the world of New York sports? We want to hear from you. So give us a call on the new 24-7 Tri-State Sports Beat fan line. Call our new toll-free number at 862-260-4315 and leave us a voicemail with your questions and comments so you can be heard on that week's episode of the Tri-State Sports Beat. Again, that's 862-260-4315. We can't wait to hear from you, New York sports fans. Why are you playing with fire? Why not? I'm a sorcerer. A <laughs> sorcerer. I'm a mother effing sorcerer. <laughs> right. This is what the Nets are. On fire. Well, they were. <laughs> okay, it's one game. They didn't have the best player in all of the world and Kyrie Irving. All right. Or I should have said they didn't have the best player in the world and Kevin Durant. That would have been funny. <laughs> all right, before before we get into the Knicks, Scott, what is your personal vendetta this time against my New York Knicks? Okay. Congrats. You're 500. Thank Great you. job. It's a, it's, a, it's a step in the right direction. However, your fans are making a mockery of themselves by celebrating in the streets like they've won back-to-back titles. Fucking donkey! If the New York Knicks are supposed to be this gold standard, the best NBA franchise in, you know, in the history of basketball, this, this great franchise that everyone looks up to, you play in a fantastic arena, what do you freaking do? Shouldn't you think you had higher standards than being 500? No. You're 17 and 17, yelling MVP for Julius freaking Randall. Like, I see nothing wrong with this. Yeah, I don't. That, that just he, shows your stand, That just shows where the Knicks are as a franchise. Well, why should my standards be any higher? Yeah, I mean, people talk about the Knicks like they're the freaking cream of the crop. Like everyone wants to be the New York Knicks. 
Why should why should five hundred? Why should my standards be any higher when I when we know where our team is? We're not saying NBA Finals. We're happy because to be five hundred. That's what we're happy. It's like I said, people act like the Knicks are the cream of the crop. Like you well, know, any, people want to be people want to be the Knicks. Any real fan, any realistic fan knows well, that knows where the ninety five percent of Knicks fans don't have a brain cell in their body. So now you're just insulting my people. I'm, it's not against you because, like I said I many times, you're one of the few that has a brain. Most of them are brainwashed by the f- mecca of basketball. Sick. I yeah. The free agents want to play for us because we play in the mecca. I would lo- I would do anything to be there right now. I really would. I was considering. I actually, because I totally forgot that March 4th is Easter. I was just going to go ahead and go buy my Knicks Pistons tickets and just go. But I figured my parents would not be too happy with that because it's Easter. Family holiday. Probably be going to the guard. I don't know if. I don't know if you would step foot in Madison Square Garden with me, because I'll go for the Big East tournament. Oh, they're not. They're not allowing fans this year. They are. They you are. Just have to have an in. Oh. Hmm. It's like an allotment to the school, so you need to have like an in. Hmm. Let's see. So I think it might only I be actually like might. friends and family. I actually might. A friend of mine that goes to ESU has an internship with Villanova. Oh. Who I think lost today. They did. They, they lost, lost the Butler. Butler. The Butler Bulldogs. Butler. That's tough. John Minko's alma mater. That's tough. That is great. John Minko. Tough. Great John Minko. So my Knicks at seventeen and seventeen. Well, let's just. Uh, I'll close with this. Slow your roll. How can I you, slow my roll when we are fifth in the East? Fifth. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, you're lucky that the East is just beating up on each other. Seventeen and seventeen. Fifth in the East. It's like the East of old. Hey, any Eastern Conference I'll take. The Knicks are in the top five in the Listen, East. In the, in the, in the Knicks the are playing good basketball, yes, and it shows are. what happens when you comp, when you hire a competent head coach. That's right. I wish I if had. If you my... didn't have Tom Thibodeau, this team would be in the bottom of the, the freaking conference again. And if Julius Randle was not playing like an All Star, or if the Knicks decided trade to trade him. him away, they'll probably trade him. I don't know. See, I went off on that last week. I just don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Look at me waffling from two years ago, saying Julius Randle, what the hell are we doing? Yeah, now, now you want to crown him. And I'm also, the biggest Julius the Knicks, fan. the Knicts creating a post the other day saying that Julius Randle's the king of New York. Okay, okay. <laughs> there are three. Honestly, Joe Harris, Spencer. I'll throw in Spencer Dinwiddie, okay. Kyrie Irving, KD, James Harden, all better than Julius Randle. Say that again. Joe Say Harris. Joe Harris. Okay. I'll throw in Spencer Dinwiddie because he's also a very good basketball player. Are you saying like I'm career? KD. Are you saying overall or this year? Overall. Okay. All right. There are five better players than Julius Randle in this city alone. King of New York. Okay. Okay. All right. There'll be a lot of old takes exposed from the all these Knicks freaking fairies. Is uh is Joe Harris an All Star this year? Uh, nobody's the greatest three point shooter in the league. He's the only the fifth best three point shooter of all time. Fifth, huh? That's pretty good. Yeah, he passed Steph Curry this year. How really? Wow. Yeah. Just a guy. Where did he go to school? I don't know. Thank you. Oh, the... Cleveland. The, Cav- Delia. the Cavs had him though, right? Cleveland. Look at you. He, he bounced around. Hold on, let me look. It's on, know, the, t- uh, it's on the tip of I my know tongue. Spencer, right? Spencer went to Colorado. It's on the tip of my tongue where he went to school. He went to. The University of Virginia. That's right. 
Big basketball school. Yeah. Big basketball. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Honestly, he's the old version. Old. Well, not old. He is the previous Ty Jerome to the like modern day Ty Jerome yeah. of Virginia. I, I agree with that. I'd agree with that statement. Sure. Also, while we're on the basketball front, can we just talk about college for a second? Sure. The Michigan Wolverines are a wagon. They are sick. They are sick. <laughs> I mean, they. I mean, they beat Indiana, but they beat the crap out of. They, they beat the. They blew. They didn't blow out Ohio State, but they they handled them pretty well, right? They blew. They beat Iowa by like thirteen or fourteen. Mm-hmm. Juwan Howard. Juwan Howard. How we doing? Uh, the Juwan Howard is what every football fan wanted. John Har- Jim Harbaugh to be. I hope Juwan Juwan Howard to come coach football. Yeah, the, the the Michigan just hired a uh, new safeties coach, I think today. Oh, great, yeah, that's gonna help. Well, let me let me let me look. I think he was a Michigan alum, actually. Great, because that's worked out. <laughs> Let's see. Hold on, Michigan football. Let's see. Um, where is this fella? Ron Bellamy played five years in the NFL. Um, it's not Charles Woodson, he, but all right. He led West Bloomfield to its first state title in football. Wow. To, so he uh, he's a high school coach that they hired to coach safeties. <laughs> Member of the Miami Dolphins practice squad in 2003 and 2004 and spent stints with the Baltimore Ravens and the Detroit Lions. Wait, 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 wait. He was a wide receiver who was now going to coach safeties. Really? Hauled in 67 receptions for 888 yards and nine touchdowns during his Michigan career. What are they doing as in? That's a program. Uh, uh, I can't even. I can't even talk about them right now. I really. I. I they're still. I'm still disgusted with them. <laughs> I'm still very disgusted. But I'm not disgusted. I'm not disgusted with the Knicks because they've just been playing very good basketballs recently. And I came on. I was on here last week, and I said there's going to be major problems. I might have even came on here and just ranted for maybe 15 minutes to half hour. If the Knicks lost to the Timberwolves, they didn't, but they blew a 21-point lead without them having D'Angelo Russell. They had Carl Anthony Listen, Towns. This is what the NBA thinks of the Knicks. Timberwolves lose to the Knicks, fires their coach. Indeed. I mean, he wasn't you know, very good to begin did. with, but... No. I, th- I feel like he was just there for sentimental value because he was Flip Saunders' son, I think. Could have been. But the Knicks blow this 21-point lead against the Timberwolves. They still win the game. You know, Julius Randle and R.J. Barrico for 20 points each. If we could do that at a consistent rate, that'd be fantastic. But they they had a very difficult time stopping Carl Anthony Towns in that second half. He had 27 points and 15 rebounds. And not and not to mention, too, their defense really let up in that second half. They shot – Timberwolves shot 45% from three-point range, and the Knicks couldn't score They in the, in the fourth quarter. They only put up 16 points, but – you know, unfortunately, you know, fortunately, defense is able to. Who is the anchor? What is the anchor of this Nick team? Is just fantastic. I think they're third. They're third in the league in, in defensive rating. Whatever, whatever you stake you want to put in that. They're the third best defense in the league. You know who the first is? You, I, you probably never guessed this. You know who the first best defense in the in the NBA is? Hmm. Um. The Sixers. The Lakers. Oh, I thought the Six. For some reason. I thought this. I was also going to guess the Cavs. I feel like the Cavs are good defensively for some reason because they have the best freaking center in the league in Jared Allen. <laughs> Definitely will Listen, help. He's a stud. Definitely he is so help. good. He is so good. But the Knicks were able to hold on against the the seven win Minnesota Timberwolves because I almost had a heart attack that night. And then 
the celebration began. The fans were back at Madison Square Garden against Steph Curry and the Warriors, and the Knicks do what they do when the fans are coming in the building and the Knicks blow, blow it in the second half, and they lose. And they had a four-point lead at halftime, which was the, which was put a little more sting into it. Curry had 26 in the second half. He was, he's, I mean, we all know this about Steph Curry. He's unguardable to begin with, but even the third best defense in the NBA couldn't do anything about it. You know, you add 19 points from Kelly Oubre, 16 from Andrew Wiggins, and, and there you go. Julius Randle, and uh, once again, Julius Randle, and actually Alfred Payton each had 20, 20 plus points each. And the thing, the thing that just made me sad was it always makes me sad when RJ Barrett has a horrible night because, I mean, I have a very love-hate relationship right now with R.J. Barrett, but Emmanuel quickly was horrible that night. They shot 39% from the field, and it just freaking hurt them. They couldn't do anything against the Warriors, but then they come back the next night, and they dominate, and as they should, because if the Knicks want to prove they're a good team, you've got to beat the bad teams. They put up 140 points against the Sacramento Kings. They took advantage of the worst defense in the NBA, and every starter except for Nerlens Noel, who's at, who's playing good basketball, actually scored in double figures. So, I mean, even Alec Burks off the bench had 24 points, and they shot nearly 60% from the field. So, I got to be happy there. You beat up on the bad teams. But the, the big thing for the Kings is that they couldn't shoot from the free throw line. They were under 50%. So, again, the Knicks defense just stout, third in the, third in the NBA. That's the anchor of this, of this basketball team. And then last night, this is why I have a love-hate relationship with R.J. Barrett. Because last night, he has a great game. He always has a great game against the Pacers. He has 24 points, 2 assists, 7 rebounds. The Knicks were down 5 at one point in the game with probably you know probably only two, uh, 1 to 2 minutes left in the game. He hits a big 3, which I hold my breath every time R.J. Barrett shoots a 3 because it's either a brick or it goes in. And then he hits a layup to tie the game. But, naturally, he gets fouled when the Knicks are up 2 with 14 seconds left. R.J. Barrett going to the free throw line. Just for people who don't know, my main man, R.J. Barrett, is less than a 75% free throw shooter. And I and I saw him go up to the line, and I was like, he's going to miss both of these. And sure, and sure enough, he did. Missed both free throws, and I just, uh, I hold my breath every time R.J. Barrett shoots the ball. I always tell him, drive. Gotta, he's got to drive to the basket. That's what he does best. But luckily... Of all people last night, it wasn't Alfred Payton because he's hurt. Wasn't um wasn't Emmanuel Quickly. Was not R.J. Barrett. Frank Nealakina gets the big steal last night, and he hits two free throws, ices the game for the Knicks. They beat the Pacers, and and also to mention that Julius Randle made Sabonis his daddy. So there goes that. But. I, you know, the and the Knicks beat the Pacers last night and, and gave me a freaking heart attack. But the other thing, too, about the Knicks is that these injuries are just piling up. I don't love Taj Gibson, but he plays a pivotal role right now. Along with him, Mitchell Robinson, you know, still out with his broken hand. Nerlens Noel playing pretty well for him. He's, you know, Nerlens Noel is pretty good for six to eight points and seven-plus rebounds a game, and he brings that high-energy defense. But... um News on Mitchell Robinson, he'll be evaluated after the All-Star break. Alfred Payton's got a hamstring problem. Derrick Rose is starting because of that. Uh, Emmanuel quickly coming off the bench. He's averaging 19 minutes a game. And then Frank Nielakina is finding himself back in the rotation. Uh, as much as I don't love that, I mean, Frank's a pretty decent defender, but he's a absolute liability on offense. 
But Taj Gibson, too, hurts, his, hurts himself last night against the Pacers. That makes the Knicks really have to rely more on Nerlens Noel and also working in Obi Toppin. So, and Obi Toppin's pretty good for a bucket or two, and, you know, not to mention he's in the dunk contest this year. But, uh, obviously, I'm not thrilled with what I've seen from Obi Toppin this year in a rookie year, but I do this with all rookies in all sports. You can't take so much stock into what a rookie does in year one. That goes if you're playing well. That goes for Emmanuel quickly, too. He's playing real well. I'm very happy about it, but... Overall, with the Knicks, I'm very happy. Like, Julius Randle's doing his thing. He's the leader that the Knicks need in every way. He's, you know, gets to the All-Star game, which he deserves. And, of course, I could drool over Emmanuel quickly every single week, and I will do that once again this week because the man went 2-for-10 in his, in a three-game skid, and he was just not good. But then he comes out, he scores 25 against the Kings, 10 against the Pacers last night, and... He's got a four-point play in three straight games. Uh, I can't remember the last time anybody did that. That's just, I, you know, I'm I'm crazy about Emmanuel quickly. He's got my vote for Rookie of the Year. There's a lot of good rookies this year. Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, LaMelo Ball. But Emmanuel quickly should be right there with him. And then, like, like I said at the top, the, the Knicks defense is the real, you know, light for this team. And they're playing intense in night in, night out. Like they're the third, third I, I like I've been saying, third best defense in the NBA. Julius Randle and RJ Barrett still averaging like 30 plus minutes a game, and they don't look burnt out. And that was, of course, my concern going into the season. All these guys playing so many minutes, they're they're going to get burnt out. It's not not the case halfway through the season, but and of course they're getting quality play out of guys like Burks, Derrick Rose, Nerlens Noel, Taj Gibson, and they're and they're becoming a deep team. So, obviously, I'm happy that the Knicks have a chance to go over 500 tonight against the lowly Detroit Pistons, but this would be the typical letdown game if the Knicks were to lose this week. Uh, tonight, I'm sorry. But if you were to tell me, Scott, that the Knicks would be at 500, even like a couple games below 500 at the All-Star break, I would not believe you because, like you, like you said, my, uh, my expectations are low. All Knicks fans' expectations are low. So we are thrilled and throwing a parade that we are at 500. That's all I have to say. But now let's talk about the Nets. The Brooklyn Nets. Second in the East. Pal, you got to feel good about them beating the Clippers and sweeping the West Coast. That was real nice, wasn't it? Yeah, it was fantastic. You know, didn't play any of that series with the best player in the world. Uh, You know, still beat the Lakers pretty handily. Clippers the second time this season. They come back against the Phoenix Suns with no Kyrie either, just James Harden and Cast. Come back against the Phoenix Phoenix Suns with that improbable comeback. They're they've beaten, I think, almost every top team in the West except maybe the it's either the Jazz or the Blazers because they haven't played them yet. Probably the um, Jazz. I'd say I, it could be both, I think, actually. But, you know, this team is just, you know, on a whole different level. Um, you guys can have your 500. We'll take the championship at the end of the year. Um, listen, I told you I'd go to the parade with you. I still, yeah, listen, none of this is at you. I understand. None, none of this is directed at you. I understand. It's, you know, I'm just, I'm just, you know, (laughs) not going to go there. Um, (laughs) again, (laughs) but you know, Steve Nash looks like he's starting to grow as a head coach as well. Um, you know, the game against the Clippers, I think it was. You know, he just kind of like outcoached Ty Lue at the end. I mean, the Clippers did make a comeback towards the end of the game. There was obviously that controversial ending. Patrick Beverly is an absolute asshole. 
um, you know, injures Jeff Green and makes fun of him. Uh, I wish someone would have put him on his ass and, you know, left him to sit there for the rest of the game. Um, but, you know, the Nets walk out of there with the win. Jeff Green is back now. And, uh, you know, it was, it was also very nice to see Nick Claxton make his return. I mean, I think he's, you know, his defense at least is already better than DeAndre Jordan's. Um, you can see that, you know, all of the fans' hatred for DeAndre Jordan isn't going unnoticed. Like, it's not because of the fans, but Steve Nash is also starting to, you know, not love DeAndre Jordan as much. And you see Jeff Green starting as a small five. You see Nick Claxton. I think Nick Claxton should have played more last night, you know, when the game was, you know, actually in reach yeah but you know deandre just doesn't have it anymore i think you're not gonna give him love that he tipped into the tipped in game winner against the clippers yeah i mean great he did one great thing like that's his one contribution to the nets this year (laughs) yeah one contribution the entire season he had the one good game i forget which game it was after i think it was after the pistons game the the game that started the win streak when James Harden just started ripping DeAndre on the bench during that one timeout. That was probably against the Pacers, yeah. Yeah, that's the game that really, you know, started this win streak um, or the the winning stretch now. But, um, you know, DeAndre had that really good game against the uh, the Pacers. Um, and then, I don't know. I just – I think Nick Claxton can be a good player for this team. Um, they signed – I think his name's Tyler Cook from the G League. Yeah. He was, you know, putting up really good numbers. They just keep signing these guys to 10-day 10 10 contracts just to see, you know, what they could give them. Uh, Andre Roberson was just brought back, um, as well as Amon Shumpert. I think Roberson could play a big role for this team. Not not per se a big role, but a role defensively for this team. I mean, he's piss poor offensively. Like, he is horrible offensively. But defensively, he'll, you know, be able to give you – that. that's what he's built his NBA career around was defense. So, um you know, I think he could be a candidate to be, you know, brought back at, on a permanent deal. But listen, we we've praised TLC. We Oof. we praised him last season Eesh. in the bubble or last season. I in for the bubble, he was great. But minus thirty two last night, like Two for twelve. After, after that performance, that you met, like he was on a non guaranteed contract. I'm not sure when it was. Be- it became guaranteed. But after a performance like that, you really have to think about, you know. The, this experiment's over. You got to cut the ties and move on. Like uh, TLC became kind of a fan favorite with, uh, with his performance in the bubble, you know, the bubble nets were, you know, a very likable team, but uh, listen, you can't go freaking minus 32. And, you know, I have to, I have to give some props too to Tyler Johnson, I, Tyler Johnson, not being in the lineup last night actually really hurt the nets because they were forced to play TLC, even though he was sucking. And, um, you know, he's been that, that Phoenix game. I think he hit five or six threes. Like he hit some really big threes. He was kind of like that one, two punch for James Harden. Like Harden probably had 30. If I just assume at this point. Um, and you know, Tyler Johnson hit some really big threes in that third quarter to start mounting the comeback. And, you know, I really didn't think he was going to be, um, that useful, that useful, but you know, he was kind of the first guy that the Nets went after in, under the Sean Marks regime. If you think back to it, he was the first guy that they handed that big uh, um, qualifying offer to. Qua- the yeah the the what whenever they're a restricted free agent, they the the I guess we'll go with qualifying offer. I don't remember yeah. what the actual I think it was or uh, offer sheet. The offer, offer sheet. sheet. That's right. They gave a really big offer sheet to him when he was still with Miami, 
Sean Marks has always, I guess, loved Tyler Johnson, and now he's starting to play a bigger role for this team. Um, granted, without Kyrie and KD in the rotation, he will play more. But um, you know, he's you know making plays when he needs to. And listen, twenty-two and twelve, only a half game behind the Sixers um, for the Eastern Conference lead right now. Um, yeah, they they've beaten all the big teams in the West. This team, when they want to, they can play defense. Yeah, it, it's just I think you know I just don't want this to be a team that is. You know, oh, it's just the regular season. Like the Clippers last year. Oh, it's just the regular season. We'll be fine for the playoffs. Like, they need to take the regular season somewhat seriously. And, you know, the the defensive side definitely hasn't shown that. It showed, you know, when they play the big teams, yeah, they want to lock down defensively and they want to put effort into it. And, and it shows that they can. But, you know, against the lower teams, like, you know, it was, it was a good step in the right direction. You know, the Magic win the other night won't jump off the paper as a big win but they struggled with the magic the first time they played them. Vucevic killed them and he did have a good game against them. Um, it maybe was last week or, you know, last Sunday maybe, but they beat him by like 20 or 30. And they had a and 40 point lead them. at one point too. Yeah. They had a, they, they had like a, they outscored him by like 30 in the second quarter. Like that just shows that the, pro- the progress this team is making. And um, I think people thought that there wouldn't have to be any progress made for this team because you have KD Kyrie, but, you know, you look at the Knicks, one thing you'll, you'll give them credit for is they have a legitimate head coach coaching them. It was always a risk bringing in Steve Nash, even though, you know, we talked about this all legendary, you know, coaching staff he has in the Jacques Vaughn, Mike D'Antoni, Amari Stoudemire, and that other guy, always forget his name. Um, he's like, he interviewed for the Knicks this year. Oh, the, uh, he's seven, a the, big 70, and, the 76ers assistant coach. Yeah, I always forget his name every oh, time. Man. He, but you know, he's well, he's well respected around the league as an up and coming guy. So, you know, this team did need time. They'll be perfectly fine come the playoffs. It would be interesting to see a Nets Knicks, you know, matchup in the playoffs. I, I think for the Knicks, it'd be fun. For the Nets, it probably wouldn't be because, you know, if the Knicks somehow, God forbid, won that series, that would be, you know, like we might can't discount, cannot discount that defense. Sorry, can't do it. Yeah. Well, the, the Nets played them the first time, and the defense wasn't really uh, wasn't really anything special. I understand, but uh, I want to talk about one game in particular, and that's the that's the the Nets game against the Kings too. You know, they they come home after this West Coast trip, and I just think that that game was just way too close for me. They had twenty one and twenty nine from Kyrie and KD, and then I'm I'm surprised you didn't mention yet that career twenty nine point game from Bruce Brown. Yeah, I don't know how I forgot about that. That, that was, was legendary. Yeah, that was center legendary. Bruce Brown, six foot center Bruce Brown. Yeah, but the th- but the thing that concerned me was that they, the Nets allowed the Kings to shoot fifty two percent from the field, and that's one of the and the Nets themselves shot forty nine percent from from the field against one of the worst against the worst defense in the NBA. So that goes back to your point in saying like, got to be able to beat the bad teams. It's they did beat the Kings. Don't get me wrong, but. If Bruce Brown didn't score 13 points in the fourth quarter, uh, the Nets are kind of in trouble in that situation. And then, you know, they blow out the Magic, but, you know, had a 40-point lead, lost it a little bit, and Magic only shot 40% from the field, and the Nets turned, the, you know, turned them over 18 times. You know, that, and when it came down to it, that was a no contest. But then the game against the Mavs last night, uh, you know, no KD, no Kyrie. Harden goes for 29 points, but... That ended up not being enough because you know, it, like you said before, it was James Harden and and the squad, which was which was basically it. 
I mean, playing with guys like Chris Giosa and uh, Schumper and uh, Andre Roberson, all that. And, and the Nets turned the ball over like crazy last night. 19 turnovers just absolutely killed them. And the Mavs scored 32 points as a result of that. But, um, yeah, TLC was really bad. Two for 12 was just horrible. But... I mean, when you look at when you look at Nets Twitter and the Nets fans, you know it's not a big deal. They lost this game. They just won eight straight. It's not a big deal. I know you're not too. I know you're not worried about it. We talked about it last night, but as far as like outside, the actual on the court stuff goes, they got no Kevin Durant until after the All Star game. Now, or do you have kind? Of, do you have kind of an issue with how the Nets are kind of handling this? I mean, he's missed the last seven games. He's still no, gonna they won all of them. I, I understand, but if if he's healthy, he should play. Yeah, but you know, a hamstring's a tricky injury to deal with. Yeah. Like you see it all the time. Guys reaggravate hamstrings all like look at Denzel Mims. Reaggravate his hamstring three times last season before he even got to got on the field. Both like, hamstrings at one point. <laughs> yeah, like a hamstring injury isn't something to screw around with. Yeah. So like they they won last night. Okay, they didn't have Kyrie either. Like I'm not gonna overreact. They won. They beat the Lakers and the Clippers without KD. Not I'm not worried. Right. All right. Make sure he's healthy. Again, just get him to the playoffs and we'll be fine. Like it doesn't matter. It re- like I'm not trying to be like a douche here. It doesn't matter. I not no. You're not. You're not wrong. Doesn't matter. Like, I mean, they've obviously it's shown. Like, it, it really it really does not matter. That's just how insane this is. They don't have the best player in the world, and they're beating the two best teams in the league, like, easily. Not Well, the Clippers team wasn't necessarily easy, but the Lakers, like... They held the Lakers to under 100 points. And people, people are like, oh, they didn't have AD. The Nets didn't have the best player in the freaking world. Like, that's such a dumb argument. Oh, they didn't have AD. The Nets didn't have Ky- freaking Kevin Durant. Like, oh. People are just trying to find a way to discredit the Nets just because they're the Brooklyn Nets. That's right. You'll be you'll be saying that in the finals. Don't worry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, whatever. I understand. All right, before we like, br- it, it doesn't matter that KD's not playing, and no, that's insane. It does doesn't. not matter. Have you ever thought you you would hear yourself say that? Like, no. <laughs> it doesn't matter un- that Kevin Durant's not playing. We got James Harden and Kyrie. Yeah. Like one thing I want to touch on about the Nets before we take a break and welcome in the Ranger here. Uh, the trade talks or trade rumors of Spencer Dinwiddie that the Nets are shopping him. I think I've said it for the past like two years. I thought it was inevitable that they were going to trade Spencer Dinwiddie. I think I mentioned Aaron Gordon for Spencer Dinwiddie like two years ago. I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet, but apparently the Pistons are interested. If the Nets freaking trade Spencer Dinwiddie for Blake Griffin, I'm going to be pissed. Oh, that would be horrendous. Oh. Horrendous. Ew. Like that, that can't happen. But uh, um, uh, I don't love the like idea. I, I don't love the idea. But it, I don't either. I, I'm a big Spencer fan. He's been here since the beginning of the whole, you know, turnaround of the Nets. And you know, the Nets pretty much made him into the player he is today. Mm-hmm. I've always thought it was inevitable that he's traded, but the Nets have shown that they can win without him. But they unfortunately, also... and if you, good, I. I Listen, coming into this year, I didn't want to make any trades. Like, I, I was so against the Harden trade because I wanted the depth. And I wanted Levert. I wanted Jared Allen. Jared Allen would be fan- – like, imagine if this team still had Jared Allen. I mean, they wouldn't have James Harden, so I guess it's a trade. But, like, this team with a, with a stud center would be just – oh, would be unbelievable. Not freaking DeAndre Jordan, but 
Spencer, I think he would be just – he would take freaking, like, Landry Shamit out of the rotation. Who Still not a Landry Shamit fan. No. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Um, but if they get a valuable piece that helps them, you know, win a championship and maybe even recoup a draft pick that they, you know, dealt with the Harden trade, wouldn't be the worst move. I think we have to trust Sean Marks. He's, you know, earned that respect and that right to be trusted – and uh, that's funny you say that. Yeah, after if it happened. Deal. What? I'm, that's funny you say that after this Harden deal. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by that take because it's worked out so well. Because it, but Listen, if it didn't work out, then then you're saying the exact part opposite. of the reason why I hated it so much is because I love like Karis was my dude on this team, right. and Jared Allen, like you know, I loved both of them. And but clearly, like you know, Harden's been fantastic. There has all of the you know. You could argue he's the MVP. I'll make that argument. Yeah, I mean, he's scoring like 30 a game. He's averaging almost a triple-double since he's been a net. Yeah, like, there was never... I was never downplaying the kind of player we were getting in James Harden. It was more of the sentimental effect of we traded away these guys that we've grown to love so much. I mean, like, anyone on that... Anyone on that team two years ago with, like, D'Lo and Karras and Jared Allen and Jared Dudley... And um, God about him. Yes. Oh, big, big. Jared Dudley and Joel Embiid trying to fight. <laughs> uh, that that little uh scrum that happened and oh, that that was those those were the days for the Brooklyn Nets and now you know we've moved on to two three stars and that team's gone. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, was I Wilson just... Chan- No, Wilson Chandler was last year. Who else was on that team? Joe Harris. Oh, I have to look it up now. Harris is on that team. Well, obviously. yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what I don't know. Would that I have just, been 2018? I don't love the – obviously, like, you don't want to trade Dinwiddie, but I just don't love the idea. Like, the the Nets got to build some kind of depth here. Like, they can't just – like, I don't I don't love the bench that they have. Like, it's – obviously – Not me either. Obviously because they traded most of their pieces away for James Harden, but, like – Dinwiddie can be that guy. Like he could be like add that new dynamic. He can he can be that guy off the bench. He could be that six man of the year on this team. Absolutely, he could be. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But that team, Damari Carroll. Geez. Oh, I forgot a Ed Davis. Wow. Uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson was still around. He never. I don't think he played. <laughs> no, he did. He, oh, he did. He did play a little bit. He did. He was a. Uh, you remember that Kings comeback? Like. Yeah, two years ago with was Ryan Rucco on the call. It was in the old intro. <laughs> um, yeah, he uh, he was like a big part of that comeback. Mm-hmm. He played. I I don't think he played a lot at the end, but he did. You know, he was a first round pick. I think back in the day too. Wow, what a flop he was! Jeez. Thanks, Billy King. Where is he now? <laughs> uh, he might he be on the Raptors. He's, he's on the Raptors. He's on the Raptors. Yeah. Ronde Hollis. I don't know if he's. Jefferson. I don't know if he's playing or not. Let's see. He played the. He played against the Nets earlier in the season, mm-hmm. I think, when Ronde they lost. Uh, when they lost to the the, the Raptors, mm-hmm. but. I don't know, man. I don't love the idea of trading Dinwiddie away. It's just he's that. Yeah, it, it depends on the deal. Yeah, like if they get a big guy to help them, then it'll be worth it. So you'll 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 trade Spencer Dinwiddie for a title. I get it. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you will. I mean, the, the Nets acquire a big man. They're 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 really NBA. I think they're NBA Finals ready right now. But they get a big man, they're they're ready. 
Yeah. We'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see come uh, come the summertime. Hopefully we'll be uh, previewing the NBA Finals with the Brooklyn Nets and the fill-in-the-Western-Conference team. <laughs> the Lakers, Clippers. Honestly, get, maybe the Jazz. Honestly, too, that Eastern Conference Final, if it's Nets, Sixers, yeah, that'll, that'll be that'll be Heart Attack City for you, and I would love to watch it because that's just going to be a good series. Yeah, that'll be. Uh, you'll have a little revenge. You'll have a little revenge in your in your heart because of what happened to the Nets two years ago. You'll have a little revenge in your heart. I mean, I hate the Sixers no matter what. Oh, yeah, I understand. Oh man, that that would be something. That would be really fun. Hopefully that happens. Shocked by how the Sixers are. Well, not shocked. Sucks. The Sixers are really good, but I think the. Do you think the Nets eventually take over that number one seed? Um, six are just playing out of their mind right now, though. Yeah, uh, I mean, see, it, the Nets should be, have to be in the. How does this play-in game work? I don't know. To be honest with you, it's like this. It's like this eight. And, I think it's like six. No, six, seven, seven eight, eight, nine, and ten, or something yeah, like that. It's, it's very strange. And they all like play against. I don't know. It's very strange. No, six gets you six gets you into the playoff. It's seven, eight, seven, eight, nine, and ten are the playing games. No, but that's only five teams. Seven, eight, nine, and seven, eight, nine. No, that's four that's teams. Four. I can't do math. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's very strange. I don't know. So the, those four teams play for two spots. Right. So you, you want to be in one of those top two seeds, so you're playing a team that won't get the rest before the playoffs. Correct. But again, does does playing help you instead of taking sure. a break? It helped the bubble nets. It'll be very very interesting come NBA playoff time. Hopefully, we're covering both the Knicks and the Nets because way the Knicks are playing right now, we be in playoffs. Here we come. The Knicks at the playoffs. Can you imagine? I I would be yeah. I would be relentless if that happened. All right, we'll break. We come even, back even ahead. when they get swept in the first round. I'll be I'll be happy. <laughs> they made the playoffs. They exceeded my expectations. I'll be happy. Headed in the headed in the right direction. Oh dear. What? I uh, just logged on to Twitter for a second. Angel Hernandez is back behind the plate in oh. baseball. Um, <sighs> that was just a blatant strike. Did not call it. <laughs> wow. Did not call it. The broadcasters said Angel Hernandez is in mid-season form. Wow. <laughs> I don't know how he still Good. has a job. How does that man Good. still have a job? Yeah, because because oh. when they uh, didn't put him on playoff games, he said it was a racial issue. Oh, my God. He tried to play that card. Oh, dear. That's a story for another day. All right, when we come back, we're going to switch things up a little bit. Not much football to talk about because we can only talk about Deshaun Watson and, and Zach Wilson and Justin Fields and Sam Darnold so much. Scott will obviously give his take on the quarterback situation revolving our New York Jets, but we will also dive into Jets' Twitter and laugh and ridicule people whose takes are just freaking awful, in our opinion. So we're going to do that when we come back. Stay tuned for that. And Ranger Joe will join us. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back. The Tri-State Sportsbeat has partnered up with Southside Productions to bring the podcast to the next level. Southside Productions features an already impressive yet small roster of podcasts, including everyone's third favorite baseball podcast, Take a Pitch. Us, along with everyone else at Southside Productions, are working hard to bring the best sports media content to you, the listener. 
So do us a favor and check us out at www.southsideprod.com. That's southsideprod.com. And follow us on all major social media platforms. And now, back to the show. That's right. If you don't follow Southside Productions, do that right now. We got we got a whole roster of podcasts going. Us, Take a Pitch, On the Power Play, Golf Podcast from the Tips. Oh, speaking of golf, prayers up to our guy, Tiger. Mm. Oh, man. That was, that was whatever what that whole thing that was just crazy, man. That was prayers of the tiger. Hopefully, I don't know. People are saying like two years, maybe we could see him back if he ever does come back. Because I think they compared like his leg injuries to to that of Alex Smith. So I mean, who knows how long that's going to take to yeah come back from? But we are, I think we have to hope for the twenty twenty two Masters. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully by then Tiger doesn't decide to go. Hey, I'm gonna go play in the Champions Tour. I don't think that'll happen. But so you know, Phil's dominating the Champions Tour. He is. I mean, whenever he plays there, he just automatic win. Him and uh, Bernard Longer, right? Dominate the Champions yeah. Tour. <laughs> All right. Before we get into Jets Twitter and Jets community on Bleacher Report, Scott, uh, you know we've been talking about the quarterback situation. We can only talk about it for so long. But you haven't been on here in two weeks, so. Deshaun Watson. Oh, Joe will be Joe will be here in five minutes, everybody. So don't no need to fret. I know everyone was holding their breath. Yeah. <laughs> Ranger Joe will be here in five minutes. He just texts the group chat. Give it give me five minutes. All right. So yeah, five minutes for him will be fifteen. Oh, so for sure. We'll probably just be the outro will be playing by the time Joe joins the Zoom call. But Deshaun Watson, Darnold, Zach Wilson, the hype around him, and all that good stuff. Scott, what do you got? What are you thinking? Where is your head more, right the, now? The more the days go on, the the less of a chance I think that there's going to be a trade for a quarterback. I mean, the Russell Wilson dream is just that is a dream. They, they there's no chance Russell Wilson comes to the Jets. Deshaun Watson, I just really don't think is going to happen. Um, again, another report came out the other day that said the Jets have to give up both their first round picks this year, a first round pick next year, and a second and third round. They're with or maybe it was. A first, two first this year, Darnold, and a second and a third, and possibly Quinnen. That's where like, I draw when when we start getting Quinnen involved. That's where I draw the line. Listen, like, we need uh, a, we need draft picks this year, right? We need we need to give Sala draft picks to work with. Like, I think it's unfair to him to give him this job in his first year. They have nothing, no new young talent. I mean, Maybe. granted. We expect things to be done in free agency. We expect new players to be, you know, thrown into the mix here through free agency. Um, but, you know, to give away two first-round picks, I don't know when the, the the second and thirds would be. And to give away a player that Salah has already, you know, talked wonders about and seems like he loves him already in Quinnen, I just don't think it's worth it. I'm fully on the Zach Wilson train. Darnold, I think he could be good in this system. It's just like... I feel like there's not that much difference between the two. What are the odds it's that LaFleur can all of a sudden make Donald like a top 10 quarterback? I, you know, you have three years of, you know, pretty much just like ineffectiveness. Granted, Medi- the last couple games of his, yeah. Like the last couple games of his rookie year were, were good. People thought that, you know, we had a franchise quarterback on our hands. Obviously it wasn't the case to reset the cap clock. And, you know, granted, Darnold is not Joe Douglas's guy. He's Mike McCagman's guy. I just think, you know, Zach Wilson, the more people talk about him, just seems like, you know, the more people love him, 
I don't know. I think Zach Wilson's the way to go for this team. Start fresh, start new. You know, a lot of people, you know, say that Zach Wilson is almost like a perfect fit for the Shanahan offense. There's never been a mobile quarterback like him in a Shanahan offense. You you look at Matt Ryan, you look at Alex Smith, you look at Jimmy G, the quarterbacks that have been in it. None of them are known as mobile quarterbacks. I think Zach Wilson, the way he can get outside the pocket, you know, the way that he can manipulate his arm angles to make different throws, like people like say he's almost in a Patrick Mahomes kind of realm with the way that he can contort his body, move his arm in different angles and make insane throws and deliver them right on the money. That's the thing, like, like you like you say, um, mobile quarterback. As far as this draft goes, the most mobile quarterback is Trey Lance. Does that open the so you you saying that does that open the door for Trey Lance? No, I don't. There's too much what if with Trey Lance. Yeah, I agree I'm with you. I don't think it's worth it. Like he's played 17 games or 18 games in his career. One this season, they played just so he could get some sort of game tape. Right. And they lost. Did you and, see North Dakota State lost yesterday? Yeah, they did. They did lose. For the first time I keep forgetting in, that there's FCS football on. Yeah, and for the first time in um, however long. 39 games was their wow. win streak. Um, he only played against FCS competition. Like, you know, granted, you do find good players um, in uh, in the lower levels, whether that's FCS, D2, D3. Um, but – Listen, there's too many. I think he, he honestly could have the biggest ceiling of any quarterback in this draft, other than Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence is, you know, um, highest floor, highest ceiling. Other than that, I, Trey Lance could be the most gifted quarterback in this draft. People just, do you really want to touch him? Like, that's do you a, really want to? And that's such a risk at number two as well. If the Jets are picking yeah. a quarterback at number two, do you really want to go there and you know get yourself involved in a guy who? You know, he's probably going to need a year or so to develop. Like, he could be a perfect guy for the Falcons to take it for if they don't move. Yeah. Yep. To go, you know, behind Matt Ryan, learn for a year, a guy, you know, who has done it on this level and pretty effectively in Matt Ryan, I think he could be, you know, a really intriguing prospect for the Falcons at four. And, you know, who would have thought that maybe Justin Fields could potentially be the, you know, fourth quarterback taken in this draft? Did you also but, did you see um, Mel Kiper uh, Mel Kiper's uh, mock draft involving? Yeah, he tra- the, gave us he, trading with the Falcons, trading with the Falcons, uh, back to four and taking, oh, and taking Kyle Pitts, Pitts right four. Yeah, I, to take a tight end that like, listen, Herndon sh- showed some flashes. Yeah, at yeah, the end of the was, year he, he was, showed some he flashes. Was bad the whole he was bad for the majority of the year, three quarters of the year he was horrible. Yeah. I don't know. I think, you know, LaFleur in in the um, Shanahan system, you know, they kind of uh, developed Kittle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a good tight end is, you know, very important for any offense. Jordan, good tight Reed, ends Jordan Reed, a veteran tight end, succeeded. Yeah. You know, good tight ends are kind of a premium in the NFL. Like, you look at Waller, Kittle, uh, Kelsey. Those are, like... There's not very many good tight ends in the league. No. So, you know, he's going to be – Pitts is going to be a, you know, highly thought of commodity in this draft. Whether he lives up to the hype again, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But I don't know about um, top five, though. I don't know. I just don't no, know. No, yeah. I don't know if you're I'd taking him take, over. I'd rather take Chase or Devontae – Javar Chase, Devontae Smith, either one of those two in the top five before we take a tight end. Um, 
And that's not saying like Kyle Pitts is a stud. He had, he had a great season at Florida. He he's a very good pass catcher and just tight end all around. But we want him too. I'd like, much we, rather we, like we watched him throughout the whole year, and we were like, this is a guy that we definitely yeah. want. But we we're I'd thinking much more rather. Yeah. I'd much rather take a number one weapon on the outside mm-hmm. over Kyle Pitts. Now, if they say you know we sign Kyle um, Allen Robinson, um, I see that diminishing. As the weeks go on, too. Free Apparently, he's interested in returning to the Bears. I think the Bears can make some big moves this offseason. You already have Deshaun Watson being interested. Russell Wilson said he would, you know, uh, very happily accept a trade to the Bears, which I don't know what he sees in them. But I think I see the Bears making some big moves this offseason. I think that starts with resigning Allen Robinson. I I don't know. I I think the Jets could be looking more at a Curtis Samuel type of guy. Yeah, Curtis Samuel, my eye is still on Kenny Galladay. I think Kenny Galladay turned into my number one guy as far as realistic, but, like, number one wide receiver type guy in, in free agency. But, yeah. I, but again, like a, Ju, like a Juju, like a Galladay, Allen Robinson, like, they still got to get past the, like, the franchise tag portion yeah. of free agency. So, I, I mean, the Lions probably don't have many options to franchise tag, so – you know, they're probably zeroing in on Galladay, but Galladay right now would be my number one option. Curtis Samuel is not a bad option number two, but so what are you, so you're, you're, you're like me, you're, you're on the Zach Wilson, you know, hype train. And are you buying into the hype that was like around last week that we, we talked about here last week about possibility, like among scouts that Zach Wilson is grading out better than Trevor Lawrence. Not grading out better than Trevor Lawrence, but could be a better pro than Trevor Lawrence. I don't know. It's I hard, think it's that's hard just to guys right now. I think that's just guys giving up on the fact that or just admitting that Trevor Lawrence isn't a possibility for them. Right. I, I think guys are just kind of overlooking Trevor Lawrence, not in the sense of, you know, overlooking his talent. They're just not even considering him. Yeah. Because unless the Jaguars pull the, you know, surprise of the century and uh, you know, don't take Trevor Lawrence. Like, it's it's as close of a guarantee as you're going to get in an NFL draft. And, P- and the people that keep saying, oh, Urban Meyer's the coach, he's going to take Justin Fields. He didn't coach Justin Fields. So, like, what's the – what do you got to say now about that? Like, yeah, Trevor Lawrence that, that, is, is going number one. Urban Meyer is not going to be a good head coach in the NFL. That's already starting as a train wreck because he hired that freaking guy who has a history of – Abuse or whatever the heck he yeah, has, yeah. not not a good look. It's no bad start. Bad that, start. That, that's Reed. also a guy that's just meant for college football. Like Urban Meyer is a guy. Like I never would envision him going to the NFL. My, in my opinion, but dude, health health wise, he couldn't handle the freaking. He couldn't handle college. How's he gonna do in the NFL? Like Joseph is entering the uh, the Zoom chat, so uh, we will welcome Ranger wow. Joe. That was about as close to five minutes as you'll get with Joe. <laughs> I hope he heard that too. I don't think so. Joseph, are you here? Joseph he's is connecting connected to audio. audio. Knowing him, he's probably in his car. Probably. Joseph. Yes, I am. <laughs> he's in the car. <laughs> Where are you, Joe? I'm leaving Morgan's. I'm headed back uh, to ESU. Oh, okay. See, I told you, Scott. I told you where he was. You did. You did call that. All right. Joe, just in case you don't know, we're in the middle of recording. So uh, Scott was talking about I... <laughs> just just in case you figure. <laughs> So I, so I guess we can't do fun of finals because you are in the car and you will not be, you should not be reading your phone. 
No, we'll save we'll save those uh, those fun with phonics Great. Uh, segment till the yeah, next so for the next you, one. You are just mm. you're dod you're dodging bullets today, Joe. Damn it! I mean, unless I, unless I get unless I get back up to ESU before we're done, then, probably uh, not. Then I'll let you know. If can you, you pull over? If you can get back to ESU <laughs> in tw- in about like 15, 20 minutes, then all right. Yeah, you have to have a different uh, conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. All right. Uh, so go ahead, Scott. You you had your original point. You were talking about um, talking about Zach Wilson. Oh, I don't really remember. But. Something about I. I just think guys and scouts are just giving up on the fact that Trevor Lawrence is going to be there. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he's there, he's not falling past two. Because if the Jets don't take him, I will do bad <laughs> things. The one Jets drive. <laughs> So Joe had Joe was listening, uh, had you in his head because we were talking about this and how because you know Joe, the big Sam Darnold believer, was oh, uh, yeah. All of a sudden, <laughs> I never wa- I never waffle. All right, but Joe was like, I can imagine Scott in my in, in my in my head just saying, if Trevor Lawrence is there, you gotta take him, you gotta take him, you gotta take him. And I'm like, yeah, of course you do. <laughs> of course you do. Well, oh, okay. See, I've I've been listening oh, to Sports Center. I've been listening to Sports Sports oh, Center, great. and at this point, like, I don't like. They have three avenues to go still, so I got more than three. If they if they pick a new quarterback, if they pick a new quarterback, a trade has to be in place before they pick a new quarterback. And right now, I just don't see the Jets getting what they want for Sam Darnold. So I don't think they're going to force a trade just to pick a new quarterback. All right. I mean that's a, that's a valid argument to make. That's just the that's that's just the mindset I'm in right now. Like as everything falls into place right now, it tomorrow they're they're close to a deal with somebody. Then I'm like, okay, if they're not getting a quarterback in this trade, then maybe yes. Then obviously yes, they're going to pick a quarterback in the draft, and Zach Wilson will be at the top of my my picks because yes, like Scott just said, if if he doesn't make it past one, if Trevor Lawrence doesn't make it past one, then obviously I feel like Zach Wilson is the second best quarterback in this draft right now. So I uh, so I'm getting a sense, Joe, that you're since last week you're warming up a little more to Zach Wilson. Is that true? It's not that I'm or warming no. up. I'm just looking at the I'm just looking at the the uh you love Zach analytics you love of Zach it basically the statistics of it. I don't love the guy. <laughs> I don't know at, too much like I told you in the last episode. I know. I've really only watched highlight film, and they're not going to put bad highlight film in a highlight but film. There are none. <laughs> there are none. <laughs> no, Come on. They're, they're, they're Come de- on. There definitely is some flaws in Zach Wilson's game that, you know, he sometimes can be careless with the football, but I have to be but I have to be honest, he's not as careless as Sam Darnold was at USC. So you got you gotta give that to him a little bit. All right, so I guess let's let's go to the New York Jets community in uh in Bleacher Report, shall we? Because why not? We don't want to have to talk about you know Deshaun Watson, and we want to hear what other people have to say too. So here's first one I just came about. Uh, DH underscore two three nine six. All the Justin Fields fans, let me know what you see in this in the kid and why you take him over Wilson. Well, I'm just that's just not going to take Justin Fields over Zach Wilson. Just not going to do it. I don't think any of us want that to happen. Justin, it's just with me, Justin Fields. I've I've come to the conclusion that, like, Justin Fields is just another Ohio State quarterback. Like he just is. 
He's just, he's a product of all the talent he's had around him at Ohio State, and it's just I just don't see it translating, especially to the Jets because of how lack of talent that the Jets have. Like Justin Fields needs to go to one of those places where he's got to have like the the team that's kind of a quarterback away that's got all the talent around them kind of deal. I don't know what you guys think about that, but hundred percent, hundred percent. I just I just yeah. Don't, I, I mean I think I think Justin Fields is a product of the talent around him. Mm-hmm. Not saying he's not a good quarterback. I think you know, obviously he has talent. He has talent to where he got. He where he got. He uses talent to get where he ha- where he. Where he is. Where he is. <laughs> Three weeks off, and I can't speak English. Jets fans, tell me how Zach Wilson is better fit than Justin Fields on the Jets. Not why, but how. Anybody want to Because Zach that? Wilson is a perfect fit for the Shanahan offense. He's the, fir- I mean, he's the perfect type of – he's the prototypical type quarterback for that system is what you're saying. Yeah, go go read uh, Connor Hughes' article in The Athletic. What the heck was that noise? Sounded like Joe just like played with a table tennis ball in his car. No, oh, I have I have quarters. They might be rustling around. I, I'm, oh. used to, I'm used I'm used to the noise, so it, I didn't even hear it. Okay. Sounded like you were playing table tennis with your windshield. <laughs> um, table tennis with the windshield. Not the same thing. Not, not the same, same thing. thing. <laughs> um, but go read Connor Hughes's article in the Athletic about. Uh, the prototypical quarterback that the Shanahan offense is made for, and tell me it's not Zach Wilson. Yeah, I'm with you, but it, but I, again, the play devil's advocate also fits Sam Darnold, <coughs> but that's not what you know. It's comparing Zach Wilson to Justin Fields is fit. So, and Justin Fields is more of a spread offense type quarterback. He's one read, throw the ball. That's it. Zach Wilson is is a little more than that, I think. <laughs> Someone said. I do want to see what James Morgan can do in this system. It is James <laughs> Morgan's birthday today. Good. Happy I birthday, James. Yeah. Someone someone replied and said, you'd be the only one. <laughs> <laughs> Evan 1010 says, this has nothing to do with drafting quarterbacks, but certain former New York Jet. I'm so pissed off we didn't trade Jamal Adams to Dallas. We probably could have gotten their first, their first this year. No kidding. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, dear. What do you Listen got? This one. What do you got? Oh, I have two, actually. Okay. Send fifth or sixth round pick to the Jags for Gardner Minshew as oh. backup competition for Sam Darnold and build through the draft. What? <laughs> what? Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew. Wow. Joe, you love Gardner Minshew. That you'd love that, wouldn't you? No, I like I like him in in Jacksonville. Okay. Though. I, I, I don't. I don't. Not here. No. No. Not. Here. <laughs> and then here we go from N Beck four. Develop brain cells. Look at Sam. Realize he sucks. Draft the quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> at, at Ranger Joe. <laughs> at Ranger. Ty Jets Zero says, "I'll I'll say trade to get both Devonte Smith and Kyle Pitts and a running back, pass rush or cornerback. Let's load up for Sam Darnold. Go Jets. Trade up. Yeah, I get, feel what? I feel like that. I feel like that's a good take." Like I, that's do you, just know, me, do you know how but... much do you know how much it's gonna take though to draft well draft Devontae Smith for one then trade up to get Pitts and a running back you're gonna have to have three first round picks. We have two. I understand, but what's it gonna take to move back up into the first round for a third pick? Pass rush or a corner run and running back pass rush or a cor- or a cornerback. I don't know. 
Oh, Joe, you'll love this one. Same guy said, he's not broken. Build around him with help for, for Sala of Sala and LaFleur. We should see the real deal Sam Darnold. Go Jets. Comments, Joe? I, like I said to the last one, I like that thought. I like the thought process behind it. Just I don't, like, yeah, I don't know. What we have in Sam Darnold, I feel like, hasn't been shown yet. It hasn't been too bad. Bulls is a good defensive mind. We've seen that with Tampa Bay. Yeah. But Adam Gase is nothing. We had two years of Adam Gase and one year, which was his, which was Sam's rookie year, in uh, for Sam Darnold. So like, you haven't been able to see, and that's what I'm afraid of: is trading him to a team that has good offensive weapons and protection, and him being an all-out star. Change of pace here from uh, Mike C nine six nine zero. Change of pace here. I believe the Jets have their answer at running back already: Ty Johnson and Josh Adams. I mean, uh, well, you're not P. Ryan. P Ryan in there? I guess not. Well, P Ryan. <laughs> I guess not. Let's see the twenty. Josh Adams looks like a <laughs> Josh looks. Josh Adams looks like a bum in my opinion. But Ty Johnson showed potential both in New York and Detroit, but not enough for us to sign a mid-tier running back. Huh. I don't know. Like the way San Francisco runs things, they have multiple running backs. Is but is is Ty Johnson and Josh Adams a fit? Like normally, San Francisco has those more athletic running backs, the guys that run north-south kind of situation. Scott just farted and it probably stinks. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Um, I just don't know if Ty Johnson and Josh Adams are those kind of backs, like a Raheem Mostert or a Tevin Coleman. Like, they're just. Not... I could see Ty Johnson being uh, developing a little bit more into one of those quarterbacks or quarterbacks, running backs. Mm-hmm. I, I think he did show a lot of potential in Adam Gase's scheme last last year, so he could be. I don't think he's a solid number one running back, like an all down running back type mm-hmm. deal, but. I feel like he could definitely prosper in a San Francisco scheme. Dave Goldie says, it's not like Sam plays good enough for a new contract and this draft has better quarterbacks than next year. So bye, Sam. That's the point that Scott and I both made a couple weeks ago that, you know, Sam hasn't proved – it's unlikely that Sam will prove under yet another coaching staff that that he can do it. Reset the clock for a, for a rookie quarterback, but it has to be this year because the rookie quarterback class is absolute crap next year. So that that's the argument you can make for drafting a quarterback this year, I think. Just saw Jets are going to use the tag on May. I doubt he plays with that long-term deal, though. Hmm, interesting. Hmm. That's something to think about. Um, a lot of people are saying that they want uh, Joe Tooney and Corey Lindsley. Signed Joe both. Tooney is a must. I think Joe Tooney is a must. They were obviously yeah. interested in last year, but the Patriots tagged them. So, um, this is from I hate the Patriots. Oh, that's nice. Good, good. Keep Sam. Trade number two to Carolina. Draft Pitts at eight. After that, just keep upgrading defense and offense. Help Sam progress. But what about a wide receiver though? Kyle Pitts isn't going to do everything for you. So you're going to have that's Kyle- kind of that's. Yeah, that's kind of my mentality. So you're gonna have Kyle. You're gonna, you're gonna pick Kyle Pitts at eight instead of maybe a one of those two still being there. Maybe Devonte Smith or or a uh, Jamar Chase or even a Jalen Waddle. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I feel I, like at least I feel like at least one of them is going to be available at eight. 
Anyone that wants Sewell at two is dumb AF. I mean, you can even make an argument. Yeah, I don't. I'm not high. Wow. I'm not high on drafting Sewell. You see what's happening with the Ravens right now in Orlando Brown about drafting, or you have a left tackle playing right tackle. The pay gap between left tackles and right tackles is insane. I, I just think that would cause problems. And obviously, you're not moving Becton from left tackle because of the season he just had. So. At Joe Douglas draft I, fields, absolutely not. You this need, guy spoke in German. This, I don't know what that means. This is a good one. You need game changers. Jamar Chase, Najee Harris, then an offensive lineman. Jamar Chase would definitely be one. Najee Harris, on the other hand, again, drafting a running back, that's... Uh, like, I like I like the the idea of, dra- of drafting a Travis Etienne or a Najee Harris and, with 23, but realistically... Drafting a running back in the first round. You just don't need to do that right now. You don't need to do that anymore. Uh, I think I may have asked this last week. What is our pick at number that uh, in the second round? I think it's 33. 34. 33 34. Okay. All right. It's second. Yeah. Second highest in the second round. Boys, the pass. Uh, yeah, Scott. Yeah. Pro Football Focus tweeted the other day. Saying only team to never have a QB with an 80.0 plus passing grade in a single season since 2006. The New York Jets. Right. Boys, the path is clear. We'll keep Sam, and if he play if he plays ass, we will release the GOAT, James Morgan. <laughs> That's from Jets fan 02. From the looks of things, fan base is split on the Darnold decision. I believe that to absolutely be true. I wouldn't say split. Split how? Does it mean... I think it's more than just split down the middle. It's either keep Darnold or... I think it's either keep Darnold, draft a quarterback, or trade for a quarterback. I think you have to put that in three parts like that. Give Sam a year, no point in reaching for a quarterback. We have the number two pick, trade down, edge, safety, cornerback, wide receiver. We have a lot of needs. Yeah, you can make arguments for that too. Jets do have a lot of needs outside of quarterback. It's... Russell will be a Jet, makes too much sense. Uh, Russell Wilson? Uh, yeah, that's not happening. No. Would you be willing to trade for Watson for two to three first, but Quinn Williams is automatically included? Oh, no. I'm sorry. Would no. You, no. Would you be willing to trade? No. I agree with you, Joe. Once Quinn, well, once you're involving star players when the Jets are deprived of stars to begin with, and that's when I, that's when I kind of back out. I say we take Zach Wilson and give the kid a chance. What do we have to lose after all? We have a ton of picks and free agency. Again, you could you could literally build a team through free agency. Now, Joe Douglas hasn't proved like it's been seen that Joe Douglas doesn't really, at least from one free agency period, isn't too big on spending a lot of money in free agency. But that could change this year because the Jets do have a lot of money and all that stuff. But yeah, you draft Zach Wilson and you draft more weapons and you even you even sign a big one like an Allen Robinson, a Galladay, a Juju, whoever, and then you build a team that way. Really, the Jets are interested in Juju and Will Fuller. That was a report that came yeah. out a couple weeks ago. I would not touch Will Fuller with a 10-foot pole. Why? I don't know. I just – we have a slot wide receiver already. See, I think the, I think, I think the only thing – And I think thing, we have a better one. The thing with Will, Will Fuller. Fuller. The, way, the thing with Will Fuller is that I think you sign him if you, you are almost sure you're going to trade for Deshaun Watson. Almost sure. To really ensure that he wants to come here. Because he's going to – he would want to play with Will Fuller. So I think the Jets would to sign a Will sign Will Fuller and know in the back of their head that they're probably going to trade for Deshaun. 
I think that'd, yeah. that'd be something to think about. Honestly, I, I was big on the Juju thing last year. Or not last year, last couple of weeks or months or whatever. I don't, I don't know. I, I think the way Juju ended the season kind of turns me off from wanting Juju. He didn't have that great of a year. Mm. The whole TikTok thing, I don't really put that much into like – if teams want to, if teams need motivation because of him doing dances for TikTok on their field, then maybe they should reevaluate why they're playing the sport. But I would much rather like sign if we don't get Allen Robinson. I mean, I'm not, you know, going, I'm still swinging for the fences here, but I'd much rather have Galladay. Yeah. And I don't think Chris Godwin is going to be an option. I think he's going to sign for less money in Tampa. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, do one more here. Jets need to take the best offer or best player at two and go for a quarterback next year with a better support. There's no quarterbacks next year. Yeah, like it's freaking like Spencer Rattler, the kid from UNC. Keon I mean, Slovis and yeah, Powell. yeah. I mean, granted, Kyle Wilson wasn't really on anyone's radar coming into this year. Like a good year can change that, but no, the quarterbacks this year are much much better than next than. And next year, I don't agree with waiting at all. Um, if you don't take a quarterback this year, you're sticking with Sam for the long term, unless you trade for it to Sean or Russell Wilson or something like that. Here you go. Here you go, Joe. Here's one that supports your argument. Has Sam ever played with a first round pick on offense since he's been on the team besides Becton? Yeah, exactly. you're saying you're saying he didn't play with any talent at USC. When in his sophomore year, he had like 19 turnovers combined between interceptions and fumbles, which I saw on this thread was four more than any other player in the entire country. I think we have to start, you know, obviously the weapons are are a factor. I think we have to start, you know, not, you know, putting all of our eggs in the basket of, oh, he has no weapons. He was a turnover machine in college too. And we knew knew that coming in too. So we knew that was going to be an issue, but... Obviously, the Jets haven't been in the position they were in, so we just kind of overlooked that because we wanted Sam to be the guy, and we, we kind of believe that. And here's the last one. Am I crazy to think – this is from uh, Daniel Molina, 2424. Am I crazy to think – for thinking that the Jets should trade back and trade Darnold, build our roster as a whole, take a quarterback next year? Yes, you're crazy. Quarterback class is not good next year. Unless, like no. – Unless you Keon Slovis or Sam Howell does something crazy and has a great year, then then no, not right now, not right now at all. But who knows? A lot of things can change in a year. Who the heck knows? Not not a believer in that. Scott, you uh, had you had something to you had something to share before we go. Um, money spent in free agency versus team record from twenty seventeen to twenty twenty. The Jets spent right around $170 million, and they are at the bottom of the wins between the Bengals, the Giants, and, and the Jets. Only one team spent more, and that would be the Buffalo Bills. So is that the argument saying, like, free agency may not be the best route? I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers spent less than $70 million. They spent significantly less and most teams probably around 50 or so. And uh, they had a 700 winning percentage mm. or just under a 700 winning percentage. I think that that really supports the argument of the good teams that win build through the draft. 
Yeah. And on draft. Um, yeah, go ahead, Joe. Yeah, but you just said the Bills were in that, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they were kind of an anomaly. Like, And they also the made Bills... a trade. They didn't make a free agent sign. They made a trade for Diggs. Uh, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. But they also signed – I forget which free – I don't know which free agents they signed, but um, – Beasley a couple years ago. Um, yeah. I mean, that's just maybe – yeah, I don't know. The Saints spent right around $100 million, and they have the most wins over the three-year period or four-year period. Michael Thomas is their own guy. Kamara's their own guy. Yeah, but guy. I think this is I think this is free agents coming in. Oh. But still I'm the point sure, the though. point stands though. Like the better teams in the league that win consistently build to the draft. Yeah. I mean, mostly all of the team all of the teams that spent $120 million or more, other than the Bills and the Bears and the Colts had a below five hundred winning percentage. Mm-hmm. So maybe Joe Douglas is onto something. Built to the draft we'll and not yeah. spend a lot of money in free agency and have flexibility. Maybe he's got something. Yeah. I mean, all the teams to the left of this, as in spending less money, like the Ravens, the Chargers, the Seahawks, the Patriots, the Packers, the Eagles, and then the Steelers, obviously, like spent little, spent the least amount of money, less than whatever halfway is. So I'd guess it would probably be around $100 million. Mm all are the winningest teams in the league over the four-year span. Build the draft. Jets want to do that. Might just have to yeah. build the draft and spend a little money on free agency. Yeah. So maybe we shouldn't. I mean, last year we ridiculed them because didn't spend a lot of money in free agency, didn't spend it on the top-tier guys. But it is, it is important to have, a, you know, spend money. You should build through the draft, build the core of your team through the draft. But then just fill a hole with free with a free agent if you need it. Like fill a hole. Like let's say like the Jets at guard. Like they need they they the interior offensive line is not good. Is there really any interior interior offensive lineman that we love in the draft? Oh, we'd have to look at. But Be Joe, later Joe, rounds, yeah, later but, in the first second round, right? But you're not going to rely. Well, you said later round, so I'm thinking like third fourth. So you're not you're not going to rely on a third fourth fifth rounder to start day one. You're going to want to plug in. You're going to want to put the Free, a free agent in there if there's nobody you love at the guard position. So, Joe Tooney, here you go. Here's a lot of money, and go play guard. Yeah. But build the majority of your team to the draft. I think that's the message that really that sends right there. So, maybe Joe Douglas is on to something. Maybe we just have to be patient. But, damn it, I want to win. And I want Zach Wilson. So, there. Mm-hmm. There goes that. All right, boys. Well, I think that's it. We have no picks because... Uh, be honest, we were not prepared. And uh, Joe is driving, so <laughs> fun with phonics is not happening this week. But Joe, we have good names next week. So be ready. Uh, okay. Be ready. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for it. All right, very good. Because I can guarantee you, you will get one. All right, everybody. Well, that does it for our episode of the Tri State Sports Beat. Thank you all for listening. And uh, you guys will know where to find us at TSSB Pod for all updates and all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at TSSB Pod. Follow everybody from Southside Productions, SouthsideProdProd.com. Follow all the other podcasts. Take a pitch uh, from the tips on the power play. Us, of course. You're obviously listening. so um, And everybody else there at Southside Productions. We're awesome. They're awesome people to work with, and we're glad we're a part of their team. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next week here on the Tri-State Sports Beat. Namaste, and keep listening to the Tri-State Sports Beat. Goodbye! Thank you.
Brooklyn, heavy D up in the limousine, hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack, Mr. Magic Molly Mall. Hello, Brooklyn. I love your corners. I'm happy so. 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 